Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic uh, GA Podcast. Uh, this is the Hurling Review of the Week. I'm joined this week uh, with Kieran Collins. Uh, Kieran, how are things? Not too bad, Mark. Yourself? Yeah, good, good, good. I suppose there's two proud Limerick and a handman, I suppose, should be some way a little bit positive in terms of the draw in Cusick Park uh, last Sunday. Uh, what were your thoughts anyway, Kieran? Just glad it wasn't another loss to add to the, the previous <laughs> ones before it. Um, I suppose like any time Limerick go to, to Cusick Park, it was a real real dogfight and real war of attrition. Um, I think it'll really set it up well for when they're going to meet later the championship and there'll be you know plenty of fireworks at the end. Uh, from a Limerick point of view, I thought uh, it's frustrating to watch compared to last year. There doesn't seem to be much fluency. Teams seem to have a hold on their puck outs. They're just letting them have it, letting the full back line have it, you know, giving them plenty of space. They're not able to run it through the lines as well as they were last year. So I think that's frustrating them. Full back line are having to put in a, a 50-50 ball in where before it was, you know, the ball to hand. But just... You know, in play and rocks like picking up, it's just, it's just sloppy. There doesn't seem to be any uh, any fluency to the play, and, uh, and and in the four games, just, just no goal threat at all. You know, so it's not what we're used to seeing for the last few years. And possibly at this stage, a little bit worrying. Yeah, I suppose Limerick did start with eleven of the fifteen that started the All Ireland hurling plan against Cork and. I suppose for people that expecting that things would click straight away, um, as you say, Karen, there was clear cohesion issues. Uh, I suppose the insightful forward line would be much maligned, but I suppose quality of ball going into him as well is not the greatest either. I mean, I'm just even thinking about the flashpoint with Galan, you know, like literally a ball over his head. It's, you know, kind of a 50-50 ball, as you've said, Karen, uh, uh, there. But I think the distribution, even I think movement of the forward line unit as a whole, um, it's a bit one-dimensional at the moment. And... Clare were probably easy to defend that sort of threat uh, throughout. Absolutely, yeah. We're so used to the diagonal ball into space and that just wasn't happening. Clare just closed out the air completely. It was hard to even pick out a man of the match for Limerick. I, I suppose if I was to pick I think Burns had a good game. He had five points, three from freeze. Missed three or four at the end as well where it could have been more. But I think we're just not seeing the same... Intent, we're not seeing the same uh, intensity from Limerick, and you know, you can make excuses for that at the start of a league campaign. But coming to the end, you're gonna you're gonna want to see improvements, and the improvements have been have been small. I think you know, they're, they're, it's hard it's hard to see how in a month or five weeks the things are going to change. That's to the intensity they're going to have to bring to it when it comes to championship. Like you have a you're looking at Cork away and Waterford home first two games, like you know, it doesn't get any harder. You know, the two, I think the two teams who are second and third rated to Limerick, I think, like, you know, so if they're going to be ready, they have to be ready. Yeah, has been pretty competitive one a schedule so far for Limerick. When you said likes of Cork, there, I think Wexford as well probably come into the equation a bit as well, Karen. That these teams seem to be on top of the ground at the moment, but it has been a bit of a reality check, I would say, for Limerick. Probably John Coyley, Paul Canark, in terms of even the squad depth, giving the amount of French players the opportunity to really impress, particularly with Peter Casey, probably unavailable for the early rounds of the championship, to really stake a claim for the start of 15. And I suppose apart from Cahill O'Neill, has anyone really kind of stood out there to kind of uh, claim a kind of a starting bird? No, 
No, aside from O'Neill, and that's only the latter the latter games where he's kind of put his hand up a bit. You know, I thought he was very poor against Wexford. I think he's a player who needs space. Down on Wexford Park, he just didn't get it his way. But I think he's been very exceptional, actually, for the last at least two or three games he's played. Um, the, the worrying thing for me with Limerick and is, like, Graham O'Cahy, he won't have the legs for four games in six weeks. So, I, I mentioned it before, who's going to fill this card, corner forward spot? David Reedy has been tried there, hasn't performed. Pat Ryan, you know, he's on the panel a good few years. I don't think I've ever seen him start in, in a championship game. It's always come on as a sub. So, you... People who think that Limerick had a serious strength and depth, really, is there? You know, that's the question. Is there a strength and depth? Now, we had to see our starting 15 on the field at once. But uh, the worrying thing for me is if you look back on our scores to date, we've had 18 points, 113, 118, and 11 points. You know, like last year, we were looking at Limerick scoring that in a half. You know, so I think that's the biggest difference from Limerick this year is just intensity going forward and just the actual of getting of scores like it's, you can't compare it's like two different teams yeah it's that sharpness that kind of first touch basic skill set really even I think Kylie alluded to it Karen post game you know hand passes <laughs> infamous hand pass rule but hand passes not going to hand you know very kind of the run game you mentioned here to start the podcast such a weapon for Limerick particularly in the championship last year, we haven't really seen it in any great abundance unless they're holding things back, which is, I think is pretty dangerous. I think you'd be kind of trying to set the tone early if that was the case. I think it's just very, very much cohesion issues throughout the pitch. And as you say, Kieran, we're kind of four weeks down. We're counting down to that court game on Easter Sunday in Parker Keeve. And, you know, you're entering into the last league game against Offaly in TUS Gaelic Grounds. Really looking for a performance, pretty much, to get some confidence going. And I suppose to maybe reassure the fan base in Limerick that the team are going in the right direction. Yeah, and I'd say at the start of the year, if you went into Paddy Power, they wouldn't even give you a price. You know, I think it's no one would have predicted the way this has gone for Limerick. Maybe it's the master plan for Kylie. I, I, I can't see it. I don't think there could be any confidence in any management that the team can turn it on and off as they wish. But I take not taken away from Clare. I think Clare were, were good in the day. Like Tony Kelly, he's only back from injury. You know, 11 points. You, what you'd expect from Tony Kelly. He actually missed a few handy ones probably later on in the second half that you'd, uh, you'd expect him to put over. I'm really impressed with uh, young Meehan. You know, I thought he got a... The yeah. point he got was an exceptional catch between, uh, between two defenders and started it over. Really good player for the future. Dave Fitzgerald, which we mentioned as being inconsistent, he thought he had a great game. I think, regarding going back even a month ago, like there was a certain doom and gloom about them. You know, even Rory had alluded to the fact that there were short defenders and so many injuries, and like Kelly is back, and you know, uh, Duggan has come on the last two games, and Shane O'Donnell come back in, and Conlon slotted back to centre-back, you know, I don't think it's as bad as what they might have thought at the start of the league, you know, and I think they would have gained a bit of confidence from the Limerick game, and if they can get a result off the Galway game last game, I think, you know, they'll go into go into Munster half-confident themselves. Yeah, definitely, because 
I mean, Clare grew into the game. It was a strong start, I thought, from Limerick. But particularly in that third quarter, Kieran, Clare really dominated that middle third. You know, opened up the open up a lead there. But uh, I suppose going back to the opening half, the disallow goal for Clare. What was your thoughts on that in the 21st minute? Meehan, pretty instrumental, as you said there. Good performance. What was your view on it? Uh, did you think that was a, a corrected call by the officials? Or it looked kind of a 50-50 call from our Yeah, I, I, I thought I, I would have given it as a goal. I think it brings up the argument again for a need for like a TMO, uh, like a, for a decision like that, one quick look. All it takes is one look, you know. So I think people are against it for the reason of, you know, the time it'll take. And I, I think what, what you're looking at, 10, 15 seconds, and you've uh, a clear decision. You know, I think refereeing in the game, it's a big issue for me, like there, especially now when they're honing in on the, the hand pass rule. You know, it was highlighted in the Sunday game that, you know, referees penalising the player for uh, a legal hand pass, but they're standing behind the player, so they haven't a clear view. So I think referees, they need some aid now. I know it's a fast game, it's a quick game. I think something has to be done to aid them. And there seems to be a lot of these 50-50 calls that can determine what way a game goes. There seems to be a lot more of them in the last few years. The game's getting quicker, players are fitter and faster. And I think I think it's time for GA to kind of look, at, maybe even explore the option of uh, of like a TMO situation where they can just have a quick look and, and make a decision based on that. Yeah, I certainly agree with you, Karen, because I think the case study probably is the Super League. It's on Sky Sky Sports every week, and it's a fast-paced sport. But every try you see the TMO, and it's very interactive. It's within the 10, 15 seconds. It's very direct in terms of what the referee is asking the TMO and the video officials and you get a decision within 15 20 seconds is pretty conclusive it's that 50 50 like an all-iron semi-final or all-iron final where something's on the line massively um it's probably something that should be considered but you know whether the ga powers that be will kind of do that is the other thing and i suppose the hand pass rule i know Connor o'donovan former temporary fullback suggested scrapping the whole hand pass instead of using your hurl to literally pass the ball like literally throw it slither on your hurl to literally pass the ball uh, to maybe eliminate. But I suppose the hand pass is a fundamental skill of the game. So I'm not sure if there can be some sort of officiating managerial review of the hand pass because it's going to blight the championship, uh, Kieran. I can see 40, 50 frees been given every championship game, particularly when it gets to the lower tier competitions, when referees are being massively assessed, looking to get up to the next level, that they're going to be told this is what a hand pass is and what isn't. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. It should be discussed because, I mean, it could really spoil a potentially great championship this summer. Yeah, on the other hand, I suppose we, we'd have to wait and see what way it pans out. Like last year we saw, and you know, a lot of people talk that referees hone in on a certain area in a league campaign and then they back ease off a little bit come championship. I do agree. I think the hand pass is one of the skills of the game. Should not be taken away. Yeah. Uh, we might, they might, referees mightn't be as harsh come championship. But I think, as Shane Downing made a great point, I think if it has to be seen to to blow it, you know, referee like Pod Wire, they showed an example where I think it was uh, Horgan, he deemed into having a legal hand pass, but he's he Horgan's back was to the referee, so I, I don't know how we could have seen it. Now I'm not stamping down referees. I think. You know, it's an awful position for them to be in. The game is, is so quick. They have to make a quick decision. You know, as I said, assistance is needed. 
but I think it's it's you know it's something that you definitely need to look into and you know if it's the case maybe that the the linesman can become more interactive with the referee to to help out it's you know that's probably a debate for another day but um I, I'm not taking away from referees at all it's like, so I think the it's an arduous task every day to take to the field anyway so yeah completely agree with you Karen because even you know pulling the air if you look at the archive videos from back from the game was being televised you know it was a fundamental skill of the game now that is completely outlawed you know you're getting into massive disciplinary trouble over that so then to kind of be targeting the hand pass as well I think would be I think it's a step too far there for sure but I think with the referees they've an arduous job I mean the pace and the fitness and conditioning of these intercounty players is scary at the moment it's kind of lending itself to maybe two referees one on either side of midfield three officiate things you know particularly when you get to the business end of the season but more to follow there I would think here in anyway yeah. but um anything else really stand out for you uh last weekend in the the Allianz Hurling League any real performances you kind of took note of <clears throat> I suppose uh, I watched the uh, Waterford Tipperary game the other night and uh geez I was blown away about how how easily Waterford pulled away in the Elephant Tipperary you know and I suppose if you sit back and look at it like Missing Ozzy Leeson, Jamie Barron, Hutchinson, Lines, you know, like key players you're going to see in the starting 15, not there. And to do what it's Tipperary, I think if you're a Tipperary fan coming away last weekend, you know, you're you're worrying for the first game of championship. Stephen Bennett is in unbelievable form. You know, 116, like he was putting over frees from everywhere, you know. You know, if he carries that form through the year, you know, It'd be hard to see him being stopped, but it's a it's a panel there, you know, creating like Jack Prendergast, unbelievable game. You know, you look very sharp, three points. Patrick Hearn the same, three points. You know, you throw Desi Hutchinson into that mix, and Tiger Burke, you know, showing glimpses of what he can be. You know, I think come championship he'll be fully fit. They have a solid full back line, Prunty, Irla Daly. You know, uh, I. I said it before, everything this year has been positive for water. There's been no negativity surrounding this squad. And I think they're really going to fancy themselves, really going to fancy themselves coming into coming into Chowton. Yeah, it's it's positively all the way. I, I think we've said it at the start of this Hurling podcast series, it's put up or shut up for Waterford, really, isn't it? I mean, Dean Cal is there how many years now? And I mean, they've been steadily evolving and improving as the seasons have worn on. But I mean, that Ballygunner win has seemed to have given them an ne- extra edge, extra hunger there, particularly within that Waterford camp. And what impressed me most, Karen, about last weekend with Waterford was I thought the mid-game adjustments, particularly in that opening half. Tipperary had started the game relatively well. Mark Hugh had scored three points on the bounce. They were up by six points after 20 minutes. But it was that period between the 20th minute to half time. Waterford, whatever adjustments they made, and the players as well, they were able to nullify Tip Middles' third, and literally from then on, uh, Tip really had no answers. I thought it was just very impressive in-game management by the Walford panel, and I mean, an awful lot of French players here really impressing Liam Cowell particularly. Yeah, it was like a steamroll them. Um, they had no answer from it all. I think my my and a moment of the match was when the goal went in is when I saw the tight turn. You know, mm. Tip did start very well, but from then on, I think it was just all Waterford. And I think you're getting your answer as to why Cahill turned on the tip job for to stay in Waterford because uh, they have an array of talent with experience. And, uh, 
yeah, they're 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 going to be a, a force this year, a real force. Exactly, and I suppose to compound things for Tipperary, I nail two stats here. One, Tipperary's goal threat, no goal in in three out of the four league games so far, which is not very Tipperary like. And then the second news of Seamus Canlan breaking a bone in his hand and looking very, very doubtful for the early rounds of the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. And I know Rory had alluded to this last week in terms of that clash between Tipperary and Clare. I mean, that's a massive, massive game for both teams. And to have maybe a talisman of Callan's stature and calibre, not there. Things that seem to be mounting up a little bit for uh, Bonner and the Tipperary management here. Yeah, and I think aside from Callan missing, there seems like there's a, cons- a consistency issue as well with Tipperary forwards. I, I've been very impressed with uh, Jake Morris this year, and but I saw I saw frustration him the other day, like he was trying. I thought he was over trying to to get in on goal, you know, at times. But he, uh, apart from forward, I think he's the only man so far this year that's been has been taking the fight for him. Like Mark Hill, um, four points. Breen had four points as well. Uh, Breen had an exceptional game, but Mark Hill, like. You know, can he consistently do it? You know, as said, we all know how hard the road robin is. You're talking four games, six weeks. You know, I think we all know that a panel, you need the panel to play the round robin. And if Tip have that panel built up, I think as Rory alluded to earlier in the, in the podcast, was that Colin Bonner is going to be learning about his team as he goes along. You know, so he doesn't have his set 15, I would imagine, yet. But then I also wonder why we haven't seen Bonnemar yet. Yeah. Um. You know, the word was he was back and he had played a Fitzgibbon game, but we haven't seen him in the tip setup yet. Uh, any word on that, Mark? Not much. I'm very surprised. I thought last weekend, out of all the weekends, should have been the time to have him come in. Bonner has repeatedly mentioned on tip local radio that he's giving the young guys the chance, any of the French guys, an opportunity, which is fair enough. But I thought Bonner Mar, considering his injuries last year, bring him back into the setup. I think he is still a very pivotal guy for Tipperary, but it's a strange call. Whether there was a setback in training, I'm not totally sure, but it is an interesting call. I mean, they have Antrim coming up in Semple Stadium. No disrespect to Antrim, but they're hardly going to really, you know, produce anything there of note there. I mean, Watford should have been kind of an asset unless Bonner is holding Bonner-Mar back from that game, but it's unlikely, really. I mean, going back to Tipperary, I mean, you've Craig Morgan, I would say, cornerback, but I think there is massive issues there in that tip defensive, you know, particularly for me, goalkeeper, and also the fullback, you know, particularly with Paulie Marr, no longer there, suddenly retiring. You've mentioned it, Karen, in this podcast that that insurance policy is gone. Quigley, I think, had a pretty arduous outing last weekend, and Again, it's only going to increase for the likes of Quigley or whoever's going to go on full back because the likelihood it could be that Rodan Marr or Barry Heffernan goes back there, but you need him a little bit further out the pitch. So I think from that perspective, Tipperary, as you say yourself, uh, Kieran, are struggling really to find a real solid 15, let alone a panel to come on to make an impact in a championship game in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think I think Barris has, has impressed so far, uh, as has Craig Morgan, but... I kind of know it's like a pace issue. You know, I, I, I look back at Ronan Hayes' goal. You know, he made it all look very easy. Ronan is going to be... Uh, I think you have to play him centre-back. I think Ronan Mar has to play yeah. centre-back. You know, 
it's not just defensively, it's what he offers you going forward as well. Paddy Marr, whenever he left, was always going to be big big shoes to fill in that team. I think Tip had banked on him being there for a couple of years and I suppose his untimely retirement has taken that away. But whatever about the starting 15, I think it's the, the fringe players that Tipperary don't have. Yeah. Like I'll throw other two, but these are forwards. I mean, one Connor Bull seems to be, you know, it had a very impressive, uh, very impressive Fitzgibbon Cup campaign. Billy Seymour as well here uh, in GMIT really did kind of lead the line very well. But I mean, Seymour's, I think, just in a training squad at the moment, not really being picked for any consideration. So, so it's interesting times, I think, for Tipperary, you know, heading into the championship, pretty uncertain. And it's not every year you would really kind of downgrade Tipperary's chances of doing it in Munster. But I think this year particularly, the body of evidence is really suggesting a very tough, difficult debut season for uh, 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 Bonner. I suppose the one standout for me, and this is going to the Kilkenny Dublin game, and first off, I suppose we'd like to express our condolences to the Shefflin family. Untimely passing of Paul uh, last week, you know, an absolute gentleman but ferocious competitor on the pitch. Our uh, thoughts are with the Shefflin family, Ballyhale, Shamrocks, and Kilkenny Hurling at this time. But I suppose Kilkenny really did um, issue a real stirring performance, Karen, in Parnell Park on Saturday that Paul Shefflin would be very proud of. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, only the last week or two we've been writing them off. And even in, you know, thinking about the championship ahead, I was thinking, you know, are Kilkenny in trouble? Are they are they going to be the team that doesn't make the top, you know, the trio of Leinster? But, you know, like, Cody just gets the best out of whatever 15 or 23 lads he has. He will get the very best out of them. i really impressed by him. Blanchfield, unbelievable game. Himself and Sutcliffe had some battle. And that will yep. be one to watch as well going forward. Uh, Wally Walsh. No, Wally Walsh scores 1-3. What will he do the next day? That's the, the issue with Wally Walsh. You know, it's consistency. Party Walsh again, the men's four points in play, you know. Uh, and I think if you look at the spine of the team, you have Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan. They look settled there, you know. Party Walsh and TJ, when he comes back, I think TJ will start in full forward. That's your spine of the team, a settled spine of the team. When you have that right, you're halfway there. The only thing I would actually noticed was Kenny only made two substitutes, and one of them was forced when Tom Phelan picked up an injury or, uh, and had to go off. So was that indeed? Like, you know, they they won comfortably. You'd imagine the bench would have been emptied, or so. I just wonder why. So only one substitute really, because Phelan was a, a four substitute. So Cody actually made one substitute. Is it the case that the depth isn't there, or I just found it strange compared to Dublin, who used five substitutes. You know, but uh, aside from that, like two nineteen from play. You know. Uh, only four points from, from place balls. Uh, Massey Keown, 1-1. I think, no, real positive performance. to just shell-shock Dublin. You know, physicality. I think Dublin have had it their own way. You know, look at the teams they've played before. Like, 1-B is the easier side of the draw. You know, bar the Antrim game, probably where it was a, probably a hard test up in, up in Belfast. But, you know, Tipperary didn't give much leash the same. So this was the first game where they really... You know, had it in front of him, and uh, I was impressed with Dublin up to this point this year. And I hope it's not to slide. But the only negative I would see, uh, Shane or um, Dowling mentioned as well, was that of the starting 15, 12 have played four games in the league. 
Yes, yeah. And that would have been 13 only only done and picked up a knock before the match. So you're talking 12, 13 players haven't played all four games. Is it that there's no depth there? A Shane Lunatar or is this Maddie Kenny's 15 and he wants to battle harden him? Uh, that's the worry, in fact, going into where you're playing four weeks, six, four games, six weeks, you know, you, you, you need to have freshness coming in off the bench. And that's the one thing that worried me with Dublin. I think you look at other teams, like in Dublin's position, Wexford, Wexford are giving guys a go. You know, they're giving young guys a go. Connell Flood, uh, Oshin Pepper, Oshin Foley, you know, these guys, young guys coming in, you know, he's battling hard in them to the league. And if he has to throw them in, he can. Exactly. I think, Kieran, you raised an awful lot of points. That was very surprising, I thought, with Kilkenny. Given the advantage, particularly in the last 10 minutes, wouldn't they throw on a few subs just to give give a bit of game time? And I think we've been critical of Kilkenny maybe in the last few years that they've been very overly dependent on the same 18, 19 guys. And I mean, with the Leinster-Munster schedules, I mean, you're going to have to have, have squad depth. Now, the only thing is Ballyhale, Shamrock's guys are coming back in, like, say, Adrian Mullen, Richie Reid, where does he fit into all this? Because, I mean, he's been appointed, I think, captain for the county. But, again, Blanchfield comes in, yeah, puts in a solid superb, display. Yeah. I, don't think you, I don't think you're going to tinker with that half-back line. So, no. is Richie Reid now going to be more a midfielder? And then you've obviously TJ come in. So, there's only three. But, I mean, the panel has to be a bit more dynamic than that, Adrian really, doesn't it? And Owen Cody to slot in there as well. So Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, Massey Keown, you know, uh, Wally Walsh. You know, there is actually... I thought Phelan was playing well, actually, until he went off. I don't know what the story with his injury was, if he's going to be out for a while. But, you know, all of a sudden, they have actually got one or two reliable subs or, you know, playable subs to come on. Look, I think the last, the players, Kenny, are not the teams what they were, but Brian Cody is still getting the best out of that, the players he has at his disposal. He's still getting the best. They have won two Leinster titles that they had no right to win. But they they're still there and they will they're not beat until that whistle is gone. Karen, I just thought the work rate from minute one from Kilkenny throughout the team was just ferocious. You know, they hunted in packs, didn't give Dublin any early momentum. It was a key game for Kilkenny. They needed to go up to the capital and really send a message of intent to Dublin that, hey lads, you know, you think you're gonna kind of walk all over us. It was I thought a psychological hit on the Dublin solar plexus, to be perfectly honest. And I think the fi- the, tri- uh, the tribute here on stats-wise is that Dublin full forward line that wreaked havoc against Tipperary the week before. All of the full forward line was hauled off before the 15th minute. They were completely nullified. Didn't get any joy at all off the full back line who stuck to their task gamely. You had Deegan there clearing them onto the ball. Ronan Hayes, they, all, they were all taken off pretty soon um, into the second half. So I think from that perspective... It was kind of one-way traffic in that third quarter, really, wasn't it, um, Kieran? And just Kilkenny in cruise control thereafter, which kind of bodes well for Cody. But as I said, there are squad depth issues, and I think for Dublin as well, it's a massive, massive setback. Yeah, and typical Kenny, two goals in four, three or four minutes and sees off the game, you know. I think Kilkenny, we'll, we'll, we'll see how good they are uh, next day out against Waterford. You know, it's all to play for for the two of them teams at the top. If Kilkenny do beat Waterford... Dublin can progress, which we all thought they would have at the start of this league or, you know, the first week or two. So it's in Kilkenny's hands. If Waterford win, it'll probably be looking at Waterford Dublin going through to the semis from uh, 1B. But I think that'll be a good game because there's something to play for. A lot of these, the last 
games in the league, they're kind of dead rubbers, like Limerick Offaly, you're looking at, you know, there's nothing to be gained. Galwick, again, the, no team can progress. Will teams start slowing down a little bit with the championship in mind? Or uh, Wexford Cork the same, you know, they're both true, so it'll be interesting to see what type of teams. I imagine Cork will go with a weakened team, give some guys a, a break, you know. They've had a few players, like Kingston has played every game, I think, and maybe bar one. You know, so they've a few guys on the road for the last few weeks, so uh, probably will earn break home before the semi-final. But I think, yeah, Kilkenny will we'll really see what they're made of against Waterford. And uh, it'll be interesting to see you what know, way they turn out. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose we can turn our focus to Cork Galloway. I mean, it was a pretty sombre atmosphere down in Parky Keeve, given the news of Paul Sheffield's untimely death. Galway were never really put away by Cork, but you never felt at any stage that Cork were anyway in trouble. I thought the key stat from here was 1-4 came from turnovers uh, for Cork. You know, the goal, Dye Burke again, was kind of unfortunately involved for Galway, getting dispossessed and uh, Patrick Horgan scoring the goal, but didn't hit the heights probably Cork of the previous week against Limerick, but sufficient enough to get the job done, Karen. Yeah, it was a funny game. I heard for a few people who were at it, it was just like a sombre atmosphere there and kind of came across on the television. Uh, Horgan played well. I don't know, his celebration for the goal, what the, who he's trying to silence or what critics he has. Maybe it's the management of Cork, I don't know. But the, the two old guards, Hoggy and Harnady, you know, 113 and four points, uh, very good games. My issue with Cork, and it, it's been talked about, is Coleman. Coleman is so good going forward. But they're using better. Okay, last year it was Metric. Kieran Joyce, we've seen him doing it in previous games. Mellerick is dropping off his man to to come back to cover Coleman to let him sweep. Mellerick is marking Glennon, Rory Glennon, Ronald Glennon, who scores five points. So yeah. I think, you know, take a risk. I think Cork needs to take a risk in this. Just move Coleman forward. You know, take like a lot of people are talking up Kieran Joyce. He's going to be the centre back for the future. Put him in there. Take a risk. Look at all the teams who've won all Ireland over the years, like. Clare in 13 with Shane O'Donnell putting him in for the final. How many times did Cody do it? Be it all Ireland finals or replays. You know, they took a risk. And I think Cork need to take a risk. I think it's a dangerous game. Relying, it is, uh, you know, you're going to have to have, you're relying on another man to cover your area. You know, I think it's a dangerous game to play. Like if you're getting five points scored off you in a league game, you know, what what's going to happen in a championship game when it tends to be ups another level or a couple of levels? So I think that's, as as good as it may seem, I think that could be a problem area for Cork. And I don't think it's going to get realised until they actually get defeated this season. And I think it could be too late, Kieran. Mm. Potentially in a first-round Munster Senior Hurling Championship. I mean, the fact that they've won their fourth league fixture in a row for the first time in 14 seasons, that's all well and good. But as you say, I think it's still masking a few issues, particularly defensively, uh, particularly with Coleman, as you say, outstanding. But... It's not as if any other intercounty team haven't seen that. They're not going to exploit it right now, are they, in the league? You know, three kind of shoulder hand. I mean, the championship is where it's at. And I, you know, you would, well, sincerely hope, as two Limerick men that, you know, Kylie and Kinnerk have kind of duly noted that. Going back on, on Limerick Cork last year, like, you know, and any time in the last year or two that Limerick have played Cork, like, Keane Inch has destroyed Mark Holman. So That's defensively, it. he has destroyed him. Not taken away from what Coleman does come forward. He's exceptional going forward. But Cork, no, to win that Ireland, at some stage, 
maybe maybe not now the way things are going, but they were going to have to beat a Limerick team. And to beat a Limerick team, something was going to have to change there. Now, if they think it's bringing back a man from midfield to cover so that Coleman can roam, that's fine going forward. But what happened if Mellerick is the man and he's not available? Or You know what I mean? There's not a, a fluency between that play. You know, you're leaving huge areas. You're leaving, you know, I, I think it's a dangerous game. And yeah, like Ronan Glennon, great game, five points. Tom Onan, really impressed with Tom Onan, four points. And yeah. And shown for everything as well. Connor Cooney, I think he's just shown his inconsistency that I think has always been there. He hit six threes, nothing from play. You know, he's he's hot or cold. It's one or the other with Cooney, I think. What is the story with Nyland, Mark? I was expecting to have seen Nyland. Uh, is he after carrying the knock from the Fitzgibbon or is it just... Uh... I think there was kind of precautionary stuff, particularly in Fitzgibbon. No, he's played a bit of hurling, certainly with NUIG in the Fitzgibbon Cup. So I think there might be a little bit of precaution there because he did put in his club mate, Gavin Lee, in at corner forward. did score the two points. You know, he's an outstanding prospect, but I think he probably needs a year or two mm. better down in underage into County Hurland. So I think it's probably precautionary here, Kieran. And I probably alluded to Galway. They've looked at 33 players now in the league campaign. Now you can say that vast majority were kind of being blooded in, particularly against Offaly in that opening round. But they have... The Limerick game was be all end all. They have then started to roll the dice a little bit in terms of rotation, like say Glennon coming in, who is an outstanding talent. But again, this Clare game coming up, I think you should be seeing Evan Nyland because he, I think he should be a lock, particularly in that full forward line. And I suppose it is a key issue for Galway as well during that match, how they're going to involve Connor Whelan in the full forward line and put some of the the wides, the shot selection from about 50, 60 yards was just ridiculous. When you had Conor Whelan in one-on-one with the full-back, it was just, you know, th- that sort of perspective. I think Galway will be happy enough in terms of the, the effort, the work rate, but I think there's plenty to be pondering in terms of Galway right now. I think they will lock it in in terms of Clare. They'll put a full side out, I would say, uh, that game. But I would certainly see Nyland featuring uh, against Clare for sure. Yeah. No, I said young guys, Monaghan, you know, really impressive. And if that's what the future is for Galway, I think there's nothing to worry about. Regarding Whelan, yeah, I think he's the he's the gel of the whole forward unit. I think he's taken the armband from Canning. That I think I still think going forward when it comes into a tight game and the game's in the melt pot that Galway will struggle for a leader. Uh, Canning was that man. He got him out of many a hole over the years, and I, I, I think it'll be they are hard boots to fill. Oh, Cherry's mercurial. He's the maestro. There's no one to touch him. Cahill Mannion, I think an awful lot of people within Galway are looking to see him push on to the next level. Now he hasn't really shown a whole pile in terms of national hurling league. Now he's getting his three, four points from play, but again, he's very open middle third he's roving role whatever but again I thought some of his shot selection at the weekend again was very you know very erratic so for Galway to have any chances here I think Conor Whelan has to be an influential factor but Cahill Mannion as well but also I think three and six for Galway I think there's still issues there Dahi Burke hasn't really recovered back from his knee injury and I think there is a genuine concern here in terms of centre half back as well Gerald McInerney's physicality Great player, but I think pace-wise, could yeah, be got at. Yeah, same issue, yeah. 
you know, and you're looking at um, Dahi Burke, two mistakes, two goals in the last few weekends, like you know. So now look, you know, we're quick to to not to say the man. It's it's the league, and you know, I'm sure intensity will will ra- will rise in his his game as well. But I suppose looking forward, it, it would be kind of you'd be picking out as a weakness maybe if you were to come against Galway. Yeah, but one thing about Dahi Burke, he always performs at the highest level. Oh, absolutely, I think I, you know. With the knee rehab and stuff, I think he's been rushed back a bit. I would hope anywhere for Galway's sake that like he'll be secure around the houses in the full back line because Galway certainly need it. So it'll be interesting. I think the the Clare Galway Derby match will take a life of its own here up in Salt Hill on Sunday week. Um, you know, and hopefully for I think Galway they just need a win just to steady the ship a little bit. Two losses on the trot. If it was three. Then I think there's a kind of morale issues gonna gonna seep into the side and heading into that Wexford game. So I think that's a key game more for Galway than it is for Clare. I would think. Um, I think Galway are, more, are a confident side, really, aren't they? You know, so I think it'll do no harm to get the win there. But the other thing I, I'm an interesting one is will Cooney continue with the freeze or will they hand him to Ireland if he plays? I think Cooney is a a confidence player where if he's hitting his freeze well, you know, it kind of rubs off and he's open play a game. You know, or will it just be handed over to Nyland if he starts? I think brutal fact of the matter here is for Shefflin is one of them starts, the other is on suspension. You can't have two of them on the on, on the pitch really. Nyland's place ball striking is phenomenal. I think it's one of the best kind of free taking techniques in the country right now. Um, but do you kind of there? Cooney seems to be playing predominantly as a half forward along with Joseph Cooney looking for a bit of big physicality in there. So I think that'll be an intriguing watch. Now, I've mentioned that Nyland should be getting his game against Clare, but I think this, the starting line can really kind of be a very interesting watch to see what Shefflin's thinking about going into that Wexford game because Clare and Wexford, I think, have similar kind of you know traits in terms of physicality, um, their attacking play. So I think that'll be an interesting watch, Kieran. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, certainly. I suppose we can get down to where you're based these days, Karen. Uh, Wexford. Wexford continuing a great role. Um, and Offaly again showing some nice signs. I promise there under Michael Fenley uh, for good periods. Yeah, at least, look, from, from game one to game four, I suppose they've shown improvement, you know, which is what Fenley to look for. I thought it was the Galway first game. Like, geez, they looked really off the pace, especially defend, defended. Like, if you look at Grove McInerney's goal, it seemed to sail through. But from that to now, I think there's been a huge improvement. They give Wexford a fair game for the best part of, you know, 50, 55 minutes. Roy O'Connor, absolutely impressive again. You know, I think they just need to wrap this lead up in cotton wool now and, and hope for no injuries going forward. One player who's really, uh, actually a few have, have, have really kind of taken my eye. Connell Flood, you know, wing back, like coming on off the bench, scoring two points. You know, I think he's got two points every game he's played. Oshin Foley, who's a brother of Paulie Foley, centre back, you know, it was really really impressed the other day and as I said earlier I think Egan is doing what Davy didn't do last year and he's given the fringe players a good go of it and get them experience and I think like if needed and when it comes to championship you know he can call on them I think you know with a bit of confidence Now on Offaly's behalf I know we've been very critical of them in the opening rounds but I suppose again this weekend and the fluency of uh, the podcast. We have Rory Walsh on here as well. Uh, how are you, Rory? Um, hey, just in terms of Offaly, I mean, 
I think some good progression there. I mean, Luke O'Connor came in, scores 2-6, kept in the game again. Kind of bodes well uh, for Joe McDonough Cup uh, for Offaly, uh, given this latest showing in, in Chadwick's Wexford Park. Yeah, um, Offaly, they seem to be getting stronger. Um, even, let's say, against Wexford, and it was an away game compared to the one against Clare, they were, you know, they, they pushed Wexford that bit more than they had previously pushed Clare. Um, you're just worried now that coming up against Limerick in the last round of the games and the Limerick team that will be mad for a victory and maybe John Kiley um, is changing his plans there in terms of with, with the strength of the team, trying to get a, a good win under the belts going into championship that, you know, uh, it could be the wrong game for Athlete to finish on, you know, uh, after showing progress all along if they do get a beaten against Limerick, which is highly possible if, if you know, if John Kiley is, is, is thinking that way. So, yeah, and, and another thing is, we, as we saw with Antrim, you know, Antrum looked to be progressing and flying and get turned over by 14 men leash. Is this going to happen to Offaly if they end up in a relegation final where they come up, you know, come up against Antrim now and she'll be on the other foot maybe where Offaly look like they've been kind of going quite well in the league only to be, you know, turned over in a game that they must win. I suppose the quote of the weekend came from Terry Plunkett, didn't it? <laughs> Post-game after the one-point win. 14-man leash, beating Antrim. I know I just had an agony out last week about Antrim, and so it kind of proved, unfortunately. But he's quote, nobody in the JA gives a fiddlers about our counties. I mean, it was a, a pretty emphatic statement, I thought, from Cheddar um, in terms of leash, the Carlos, the Westmeads, the Antrims, uh, just in terms of trying to survive in top-tier hurling, really. Um Really doesn't do a whole pile for them, does it, in terms of Antrim or Offaly potentially heading down into 2A next season? No, um, yeah, that's it. There, there is like the, the gap is still huge. Like you, you look at Antrim, Offaly, Leash, they're all still. I know Leash turned Dublin over a couple of years ago, and, and you know what was, uh, I suppose, the biggest shock in the championship in let's be honest, 10 15 years, and that looking at the levels they're both operating at, that gap is still there. And uh, it's grand saying every year, oh, you know, it's great for these teams to be up in 1A, 1B. But, like, is the gap really closing with these teams? Like, they kind of yo-yo up and down, and you're just hoping that one of them comes out of the pack, um, that an Offaly or a Leash or an Antrim actually, you know, take their place at the top table and, and are competitive in a provincial championship when they get there. Indeed. Karen, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, even looking at the, the Leash-Antrim game, you know, okay, I, we, we mostly teamed Antrim to win. I think that was more from a, you know, I wanted for them to win more than you think they're going to win. But I, I was really impressed with Leash, you know, playing most of the game with 14 men. Chad Wire was immense, I thought. He put points over from everywhere. And even the point to win the game, you know, over his shoulder. It was unbelievable. Uh, Stephen Marr, I think, got man of match day points, four from place balls. Paddy Purcell, great goal, scored 1-1. So, but I think, uh, credit to Leash, you know, like, Antrim, yeah, left it behind them. They should have, you know, when they went ahead, they should have steamed on and won by three or four points, but they didn't. Uh, Leash held on. I think credit and Leash, I think I think it was a harsh strike hard. I think, you know, talking about referees earlier, you know, like I'm a an old style tradition her I like, you know, it's part of it. You know, it wasn't high, you know I think another referee you might have seen the yellow for the same instant. I think it was a harsh red. No, credit to Leash, they they held out well with fourteen men. And I think like Antrim are really relying on Dean McMahon and say he just didn't fire. You know, he'd won seven, but seven of them were from play as well. So the goal from play, you know, so he's obviously obviously well held back there, you know. And uh, if any team are used to playing a 14 men, it's Leash. <laughs> or Limerick. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Roy, I must say, 
Things are going to change, and we have a clear man wearing a Limerick jacket. Huh? Okay, I'll just. Uh... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose Rory, you've come in, you've come in late, and you probably hear the podcast later on. But what were your kind of viewpoints of the weekend? Uh, I know from a Clare perspective, uh, we've kind of said that it was a very positive performance at top from Clare, given the side that they'd lined out. Um, it was, and the main thing that the main word I'd use about performance was there was a composure we hadn't seen yet from the backs, especially. I know Limerick, the both teams mirrored each other the way they set up. Um, but I know Limerick um, kind of dropped off, but like the clear backs were like comfortable on the ball. It was ball to hand. There wasn't the same mistakes we saw against Wexford where they were, you know, fumbling kind of unforced errors. So, yeah, the, the unforced errors were kind of gone, and that was a huge plus, and it gave them a platform. You know, like the half-back line, especially David McInerney, John Conlon, um, the two of them like really like, I suppose we all know that they have good ball handling skills, and it just, I, I thought like they really showed up the half-back line and I'd been saying all along every week I was saying my worries about the clearbacks my worries with clearbacks but that half-back line looked really strong and kind of uh, people are saying okay Limerick were missing Sean Fain and Kyle Hayes but the one line that was intact was their all-star half-forward line of Morrissey, Lynch and um, Hegarty and like you'd have to say like that there was apart from like Hegarty got a good point and Tom Morrissey kind of, you know, one off kind of points like Claire half back line kind of, I thought, handled them really well. And that gave Claire a platform to kind of stay in the game. I thought Cahill Malone as well, pretty effective wing forward. I know he had a few bad wides early in the game, which I'm sure Lohan was probably hammering at him this week because, uh, you know, they're kind of ones you expect to get where he got a clear shot away. But overall, like the main thing I'd say is there is a lot of hope now going into the championship, which maybe I didn't have a couple of weeks ago. But oh, he's changed his tune here. And yeah, and. Connor Cleary is a sticky, literally a sticky fullback. Yeah, he suits like he suits a certain type of player, and it was the same against Wexford. He suited Connor McDonald. Connor Cleary loves American Joe because the aerial ball, like if you have Aaron Galan in there, you're going to hit a certain amount of aerial ball in there. Uh, same with Connor McDonald, and like Cleary's strength is in the air, and um, he does like I suppose Rory Hayes next to him kind of does cover a lot and uh, for for speed in the ground. Um, but yeah, it's a certain type of full forward that suits him. And yeah, I think Aaron Galan is that type, a uh, different type of player. I'd be a bit worried. Yeah, it did suit. So yeah, hope going in. And as we mentioned last week, this game for Clare against Tipperary, like Tipper coming off a Waterford match in the first round, Clare have a bye. This championship game in Thurless is make or break for either of them because uh, Clare win that game and they have two home games and then the neutral game in Thurless. So gives them every chance of finishing top three but they have to beat Tip and Thurless first match. I don't see Clare qualifying if they don't win that game. And it can go either way, Rory, too. Like, Tip having the game under their belt facing to Clare could be an advantage for them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Clare being, being fresh, obviously. But looking at the form now, you, you'd have to say, that we were just mentioning earlier, the difference between the start of the league to the end of the league with Clare's progress. You, you'd have to tip Clare to beat Tip. Yeah, I suppose, and look, four weeks is is going to be from from the break of league to championship. It is a bit of a gap, and it, it depends how teams handle it. I would sooner be in Clare's position now because they seem. We said this last week about does Bonner really know his team at the moment? I think Lohan after Sunday is getting a lot closer. I know we've potentially the Shane O'Donnell's coming back and Ian Galvin's, um, Dermot Ryan especially. So Lohan is kind of looking now at a settled team and slotting in these guys rather than kind of. Uh, you know, rearranging the whole chessboard as uh, uh, Colin Bonner is facing, you know, down in Tipperary. Uh, yeah, I, I we said this last week, we think Bonner is furthest away from a championship team. And I'd say, again, after the Waterford game, that hasn't changed. 
And will Aidan McCarthy make it back? Well, uh, word is like that he might be back for his club during the summer. It looks like championship is going to be too early for him. Yeah, a serious work injury. And I think it's just the, the break was in an awkward spot for uh, in terms of uh, speed of healing. So, uh, yeah, it looked... Uh, uh, at the at the time, that was people were saying that you know it's an extremely serious injury and he'd be a full year out. But just happened Sunday, they were saying that he might be back for summer. But as we know, the championship is finishing uh, uh, pretty early this year. But um, he could be he could be thundering in there for a club championship, maybe potentially. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, but um, I suppose guys, can we kind of switch on to I suppose third level? Uh, Rory Walsh, University of Limerick, the Freshers team. Conquered all before them uh, this season. That was quite a comprehensive performance against a gallant DCU side yesterday in Dangan. Um, I suppose, what were your thoughts, uh, Rory, on that 120 to 11 point win? Yeah, um, like they met in the league semi final and it was played on the 4G pitch in Maguire's and UL. And it was it was similar to the UCD game. It was a bit of a massacre. So, like, uh, DCU were coming off that knowing they had being beaten heavily by UL in the league. Um, so in a way, I suppose they were hoping to, like, the grass pitch was going to be a bit of a leveler. Um, you know, after the rain that fell as well, it was going to, you know, maybe inhibit UL style a small bit. And uh, so, yeah, look, they were a lot more competitive this time around, but like this is kind of a once in a lifetime fresher team, as we mentioned. And even the injuries they have, uh, Mark Fitzgerald, Waterford senior, uh, still injured, Liam Lynch, uh, Ronan Lyons uh, from one lean hamstring injury as well. Like they've, you know, serious, serious injuries and they're still able to put out an extremely strong team. Um, so, yeah, Joe McGrath, in fairness to Joe McGrath's manager, he's Tumi Varaman, uh, Conor McGrath's father, living in Cratlow. And Joe McGrath, I've seen him with this bunch, you know, up close and like he does inherit, you know, a lot of guys that are stars coming in there with reputations. In this case, he had two guys with a lot of senior medals coming in. And he's just yeah. able to ground them. And the whole idea is, I suppose, with college lads is just get them to that team spirit and get them playing for each other and working for each other. And Joe did that extremely well. I know you might say, oh, look at the players he's to pick, but you still have to gel them as a team. And that can be quite difficult. Like, I, I even know with, with uh, given how with the fresher two team, that, like, this year as well, because of the strength of the fresher ones, we're blessed with a, an amount of county under 20s. But just trying to get them all to play together is difficult. And you can get caught, you know, you can get caught in that day where uh, every lad goes out and says, I'm going to be the hero today and score five points from play. And like that is a, a dangerous way for a team. And it can happen with these college teams. So, yeah, I think a lot of credit in a way goes to management for um, getting the team to play as a team. And I think that was very evident last night as well, that there was the team were playing for each other. I know Aidan O'Connor stood out and surely John Kiley is um, paying attention here to Aidan O'Connor Um because in a place where Limerick are kind of struggling at the moment, uh, full forward line, although to be honest, I didn't think the delivery they got in the last day was was exceptional. Um, but like Aidan O'Connor has been the standout player in the last two rounds for UL in the semi-final and final. And it's surely worth a look. I would think so, because I know a hand club man, Kieran Barry's being called into the Limerick County squad. I mean, wouldn't be a round of possibility that Aidan O'Connor is getting a call up here for a training session or two to impress, I think. Definitely with the squad depth, particularly in that incident forward line. I think we'd mentioned it, Kieran, earlier on in the podcast, just in terms of Graham Mulcahy and, you know, his durability in terms of the championship. Maybe something new, something fresh to kind of really spark that full forward line. Uh, seems a no-brainer just to kind of bring him in to the, the setup and see what he's uh, about. Yeah, and I suppose we can finish off, guys, with the, the schools. Um, Art School Reach and St. Kieran's and 
uh, into the final. Um, St. Kieran's uh, kind of ending the dreams of Tulla in you know, 316 to 11 points. But um, I think speaking to a few Kilkenny uh, folks um, after the game, I think this has been regarded as the best performance that St. Kieran's had put on the season and really led by the impressive half-back line of Lennon, Cody and Fitzpatrick particularly. Um, I don't know, guys, if you saw any of the games or any initial thoughts in terms of the final. Uh, yeah, I was I was at the Tulla uh, St. Kieran's game, and yeah, centre back Fitzpatrick is like uh, he's a giant, like he's six foot three or four, and he's built like a twenty four, twenty five year old. So sometimes you look at these guys and you say, well, can they hurl? But he can hurl, very good in the air, controlled centre back really well, and a, lo- a lovely centre forward as well. Uh, his name, Lisa, uh, Black Helmet, real Kilkenny style. Uh, you know, touch and hands and gave a brilliant pass for their goal, second goal. And to be honest, in the game, Tolla did not hit the heights they did in the Hearty Cup final. And even um, O'Connor midfield was limping very early in the game to put him into full forward. Uh, Oshin Clune, wing back, seemed to have uh, came out to the pitch with, you know, uh, kind of hamstring strapping and wasn't moving like this guy was flying up and down the wing against Arsenal Reach. So, uh, but um, they were still in the game into the second half. They had the breeze with them and they got it down to four points. And at that moment, at the moment, they got hit with that, that goal I mentioned earlier, super goal for, for Kieran's. And from that moment on, like it was Kieran's just took over the game as the Kilkenny team can do. And just kind of, you know, by the end of the game, it, it, it's hard to believe actually that Kieran's and Arskull were both beaten teams and they're both in the final. Kieran's were beaten in the semi final in Leinster. Yeah, exactly. Well, Kieran's, you know, just coming in. On yeah. the rail, like you know, they're reproducing their best hurling at the the right time, and there's that hoodoo from Arsenal Reach as well, isn't there? Leading into this uh, final as well. Joe, it's super as well. This is going to this is taken over now from the uh, club final. It's going to be on St Patrick's Day in Crow Park. So, mm. you know, yeah. So th- Thursday Crow Park, it's 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 a great showcase for us, especially now that that gap. And I'm delighted, like that the GA have filled that gap before you know maybe one of the other sports in Ireland kind of said, oh St Patrick's Day, let's let's take over that. But Crow Park. And a great day for the for the players as well to get out there. Um, you know, it's something I suppose a lot of lads would be dreaming of. And uh, yeah, still, and we've a, a bit of a clear contingent in with um with Hard School as well. Uh, David Kennedy scored one two there. Corner forward, a bridge man. Real uh, fast, uh, real your, your your traditional nippy corner forward. And I'm sure Crow Park is going to suit him if they can you know get him into open space. Yeah, and uh, the last day as well, Shane O'Brien, Nyla Farrell. Took a knock from Broadford and Shane O'Brien took over the freeze. Did really well, Shane O'Brien from Kilmallock. So, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I just, yeah, I, I, Kieran's really impressed me the other day. It's going to be hard for Arsenal to beat them. Um, especially, yeah, and Kilkenny teams, as we know, Crow Park. Somebody, uh, somebody was saying to me tonight just that that Arsenal have played Kieran's five times and still have yet to beat them. So, I'm sure that's exactly. playing the yeah. yeah. Because I recall the four finals. You know, even when Han- Declan Hannon was part of the Arsenal Reach team, and they got so near, but yet so far uh, from that dominant side. And I mean, they're going to be looking at Keane Scully as well. Arsenal Reach to reproduce deliver performance. Now he was superb sweeping um, there, and he did score a few points as well. I mean, I suppose good counsel probably desperately disappointed in terms of the performance opening half. I was at the game, and to be perfectly fair, they squandered an awful lot of good chances in the opening half. They really could have built up a nice little lead there, and. The fact that Good Council didn't have a point from playing the second half, lads, is just tailored to tape, really. Jack Redmond was really dependent on the freeze. And as you say, Shane O'Brien with the 1-8, David Kennedy, then with a crucial goal, kind of just really to open that game out a little bit. 
um, our school reached to see it very well and, and I suppose wish Niall Moran the best I suppose <laughs> being from a hand anyway uh, Kieran, uh hopefully they'll do the job and what a spectacle in Crow Park I think um, as well regardless of the results I think the year will be remembered for Tullas you know fairy tale run to the heart up you know so no, that'll, that'll be remembered in folklore I think it's no disgrace for Tullas to be beaten by St Kieran's like their absolutely quality outfit and the fact that it was a fairy tale you know, it gives inspiration for every provincial hurling secondary school program. You know that you don't have to be the big massive uh, college to really compete at the highest level. East Clare hurlers, you know, they had the bond, the spirit, you know, the drive, and the hurling skill, and a, a quite inspirational story. And um, you know, well done to Tulla uh, this year. And I suppose just to finish off, lads, you know, it'd be remiss of me not to say about the Camogie All Ireland uh, finals. St Ryan has continued a, a massive. Massive uh, year for them in terms of uh, winning uh, winning uh, the intermediate against Salty Langtacara. And then Sarsfields, I mean, guys, the context of this, I mean, for a, a parish, three hinterlands, Bullon, Nguyen, Woodlawn, two primary schools, and to go into Crow Park and to win two All-Irelands here in the last three championship seasons, Norton Short is sensational. Um, you know, Michael Hopper McGrath managing, his daughter Siobhan McGrath, Superb 1-7, but I thought it was a very entertaining game and massive congratulations to Sarsfields. Um, I suppose with that, guys, being a lengthy one, but uh, I think we had plenty to get through. Uh, I'd like to thank Kieran and also Rory here as well uh, for coming in. I know you've been late, late there in training. I suppose the video analysis was being done there, Rory, uh, for the first half an hour of the podcast, but much appreciated. And I suppose next week we can run the rule over the final round of the Alliance uh, 1A and 1B games. Until then, uh, thanks, lads. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.